Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm K.W. Taylor. This week, we're talking about the board game Illimat, the web series Critical Role, and the NBC sitcom Mr. Mayor. Yes. Did I say that right, Illimat? I think so. <laughs> I've been saying Illimat. The only place I've heard it talked about is online and <laughs> okay. in written form. So I think it is because I'm going to make some assumptions about its derivation. And I think that Illimat makes sense as the pronunciation. Okay. But it's spelled I-L-L-I-M-A-T. And yeah, this board game, it's not even a board game. Oh my goodness. It, <laughs> what is it? It's a, it's a mat game. And oh, I'll explain that. Okay. It is a little game that you can play that comes in a small box. So I'm going to call it a little game. It, it's it's a card game and a board game and not a board game. <laughs> Very descriptive. Thank you. <laughs> it's everything but a role-playing game, but I bet you could turn it into one very easily. Okay. So this is something that I got my husband for Christmas, and I was also super annoyed because I ordered it online, and it was part of a set of Christmas presents that didn't come because it got delivered to the wrong place, and oh. I had to reorder it as a whole thing. But anyway. I had never heard of it. He had it on his Amazon wish list, and I just thought it looked kind of neat, but I deliberately didn't investigate it much further mm -hmm. until we got it, and then we tried it out, and I think I like it even more than he does at this point. Oh, okay. It is designed by Keith Baker, and on their website, they describe it as, if you've ever enjoyed Hearts, Bridge, Casino, or Gin, it will feel both familiar and unlike anything you've ever played before. Hmm. And... It's very quick play. It's two to, f actually, it's one to four players. So you actually can play it solitaire. Oh, that's nice. I like games that you could play alone. Sorry. Yeah, no, I actually haven't tried the solitaire rules yet because they are a little bit more complicated, but I think mm -hmm. I will give that a shot. But it comes with a deck of cards that look like normal playing cards, but they are not. They, they look vaguely creepier and they are based on, <laughs> <laughs> they're based on seasons instead of suits. Okay. And they don't have all of the figures and they have different, slightly different names for things. There's like a king and queen, but there's also a fool and a knight and stuff. And so it it's, makes it seem more old fashioned. Like this game only came out a couple years ago, but it's got this very arcane feel to it. And then it has these other cards that look kind of like tarot cards, but they have functions like they're called luminaries and they, they're hidden cards that have influence over certain parts of the playing field. And when one is revealed, it changes some of the gameplay. So to me, one of the things that reminds me of is Flux. Have you ever played Flux? I haven't, actually. Okay. Well, that's a card game where the rules change based on cards that you play. So okay. there's elements that are also similar to Uno because, again, rule changes and you can kind of deliberately be mean to your fellow players. <laughs> and you also have these little stones that keep track of your score and you have little tokens that you, that you play. But the, the board, the quote-unquote board, is actually just this piece of fabric that's a square. And each quadrant of this square represents a type of field, and like a literal field like that you would plant crops in. And so as you play, you're trying to seed these fields with cards and then reap them or harvest them. And essentially, you're just sort of, it's a card collection game. You're trying to get more cards than your opponent, but the scoring is based on number of cards, but also types of cards, the different seasons that you've collected, etc. Okay. 
and it sounds really complicated, but it took maybe 10 minutes to learn and you end up each round takes maybe 20 minutes and you play until somebody has 17 points and then wins. Okay. So you end up like a full game can take two to three, maybe four rounds if it's really a close game. And the thing that I like about it is just that it's very flexible in terms of if you really only feel like doing one round, you could. There's a whole extra suit that you can either play with or not, which extends the playtime of each round. And because things can change really quickly with the revealing of these sort of tarot card-like rules, that kind of makes it more interesting. And it's really hard to tell who's ahead until you actually go to the end and count up how many cards you've captured. Mm -hmm. And it's just the kind of game that I've noticed that like you can have a whole conversation exterior from the game while you're playing it. Like It's that sort of thing where you can be sort of paying attention, but then as it starts to get to the end of the round, suddenly I've noticed that we get really quiet and we're like, okay, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And because you suddenly have to start paying a lot more attention. And when I've played Ticket to Ride with friends, sometimes it'll be like that where we're all just like super intense and oh my goodness, nobody can say a word because we're all so concentrating. And so I really like that element of it. But the, also the setup is so quick. It's just this little tiny box and this little piece of cloth and these tiny tokens and these two decks of cards. And it's just all very small and cute. And it's also got a little bit of a gothic sensibility to it. So I like that. And the, the funniest part of it is that this game was inspired by the fact that the, the band, the Decemberists, were filming, it was either a photo shoot or a music video, I can't remember which, but they were they were filming something and they were like, oh, it'd be cool if we were playing this weird, creepy game. And then they were like, <laughs> oh, wait, let's just have somebody make this game. Oh. And so they got this guy to design this game and then they ended up playing it on tour and stuff. And so it's like origin is very sort of rock and roll and weird. And I thought <laughs> that was very cool too. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So it's a game where you can't really play it in a car or something, but in terms mm -hmm. of bringing it with you on a trip, like it's so tiny. And I just love that. So even though there's a lot of small pieces and you really need a, a nice flat playing surface and a big table to play it, if you want to take it on a to a convention or on vacation, it's very easy to do so. And people on online are doing a lot of fun homebrew stuff of like making different versions of the the board. So instead of having cloth, they make their own like leather mat or something. Oh. And I do think the name derives from the idea of illusion, illumination, and the fact that the board is a literal mat instead of a board. Yeah. So yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And they, they even will have sometimes like little expansion packs of different luminaries and stuff. I haven't started collecting those yet, but I would like to. But it's also the kind of game that I think it's quasi open source. So once you, understand the rules, you could very easily make your own cards that make it kind of weirder if you wanted. Yeah, that sounds really neat. I'm always sort of on the lookout for games that you could play by yourself because I live alone and it's a pandemic. So <laughs> I gotta keep myself occupied. So yes. that sounds really cool. And I might put it on my birthday list. Do it. Yes. Nice. And the nice thing too, is that when the pandemic is over, you don't have to it doesn't require like seven people to make a good game. Like you can just have one person playing with you or you can have, and it, it maxes out at four. Okay. So it's a nice little, like, you know, if you're able to have small groups of friends gather again, it's very, it's very <laughs> tiny. I wish there was an online version because I think it would lend itself very well to that, but oh, yeah. sadly not yet. 
not yet, but hey, maybe soon. Yeah. I feel like a lot of games have been being put online now because of the pandemic. Yes. And I do appreciate that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's It's been fun. In fact, speaking of Ticket to Ride, I've played Ticket to Ride online quite a bit. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, not quite a bit. Not as much as you. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of gaming, you've been watching a gaming-related thing that I've been meaning to start, but it seems intimidating to suddenly get into it because it's quite yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a lot. I was actually really nervous to get into it just because there's so much of it. Yeah, so... I've been watching Critical Role, and it's a web series, real play D&D web series. There we go. (laughs) And basically, it is eight people who are voice actors and friends, and they sit around playing Dungeons and Dragons, and we watch them. (laughs) (laughs) And if that's not the sort of thing you're into, that's totally cool, because I totally understand why it would not be. (laughs) But yeah, I, I just really got into it. So my last roommate, Erica, really loves Critical Role. Uh-huh. And she was like, I really think you'd like it. I really think you'd like it. And I was just like, I don't know where to start because there are so many episodes. Uh-huh. So they started with campaign one. And there are like 115 episodes, I think, in campaign one. And they started in the middle of their game. So they were already like level 10 or something. Uh-huh. And then I think in 2018, they started campaign two. So they got all new characters and it's the same people, but Mm -hmm. they started new characters and they're on a different continent in the world that they created, which I'll talk a little bit about that. Then for the pandemic, they stopped playing for a little while. Mm -hmm. And when we all thought (laughs) the pandemic was going to last like two months, (laughs) (laughs) they were like, okay, we can just take a break. And then... It became apparent that would not happen, so they started playing. They, I think they just expanded their set and they're socially distanced now. Mm-hmm. But that break gave me a little bit of confidence. I was like, maybe I could catch up in time. <laughs> <laughs> so it airs on Twitch every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. So it starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. And the following week, it's put up on YouTube and as a podcast. Mm-hmm. So what really helped me was I was driving to work and I could just listen to the podcast and I was listening while I was taking walks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it did still take me like nine months <laughs> to catch up, but, <laughs> but I finally caught up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it took me a little while to get into it, but there are some really appealing things about it. So the game is led by Matt Mercer and he is fantastic he's created this whole world for them to play in and it does go by D rules but there's some like extra i think he's created like some extra classes and, and things like that mm-hmm. and it's just really imaginative and very very cool it's on a continent called wild mount and yeah i don't even know how to describe it because like they go all over the place so there's so much to talk about but right now they're in a plate okay no, no, just let me uh, go. I'll get back to the cast. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the cast, they're all voice actors. And I think they've also some of them have also been actors. So you might recognize their names. But Laura Bailey plays Jester Lavore, who is a tiefling cleric. Talis and Jaffe plays Molly Mock Tealeaf, who's a tiefling blood hunter. Ashley Johnson plays Yasha Nidoran, who's an Azamar barbarian. And she's my favorite. <laughs> 
Liam O'Brien plays Caleb Widogast, who's a human wizard. Marisha Ray plays Beauregard Bo Lionette, who's a human monk. Sam Regal plays Not the Brave, who's a goblin rogue. And Travis Willingham plays Ford, who's a half-orc warlock. And basically, you know, you know at D&D, you gotta, like, have your characters come together. So they all meet in a little town called Trostenwald, and Bo, Jester, and Ford are, are all together. They met, like, a couple days beforehand, and they're traveling around, and Caleb and Not the Brave are together. They were both in prison, and they've been traveling since they got out of there. And then Yasha and Molly are in a circus, <laughs> and they come through the tavern, and Molly's giving out these brochures to the circus, and everyone in the, who will eventually be in the party goes to the circus, and there is a zombie attack at the circus. So it kicks things off, gets things started. And, you know, they fight things, and they figure out some mysteries, and eventually they they all decide they want to stay together, and they become the Mighty Nine, which is a play on words, because <laughs> Caleb's character is Zemnian, which is, like, based off German, so it's spelled the Mighty Nine, N-E-I-N, so oh. it's kind of like the Mighty No. <laughs> And there are only seven of them, so every time they're like, we're the Mighty Nine, people are like, are you are you missing people? <laughs> <laughs> so it's cute. But they've been playing D&D for a really long time, and they're obviously like really comfortable with each other and comfortable with the rules. So for me, who was like just starting to get into D&D, I, I think I started this last January, and... Like, I played a little bit of D&D, but we really got our group going, I think, in March. And um, as someone who was pretty new to D&D, like, I gleaned a lot about the game just from them playing it. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it was sort of a, a learning experience, which is neat. The episodes can be, like, up to five hours long. Oh, my goodness. I think they try to keep them to, like, three and a half or four, but... Sometimes, you know, they're fighting something and there's just a lot of stuff going down so they can't end it at four hours. So it is a large time commitment mm -hmm. since Campaign 2 is currently on episode like 124 or 5. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it's a huge time commitment. I don't really, <laughs> I can't in good conscience, like, tell anyone to start it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when I had started listening and watching, Eric and I sat down and figured out like on average, okay, they're four hours here. Here's how many episodes there are out. And we figured out that there was like a solid 14 days of content. Good grief. 24 yeah. hour days. Like you'd have to yeah. be consuming it for two weeks with doing nothing else and not yes. sleeping. Okay. Yeah. That's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> So I definitely can't be like, yeah, everyone should go out and start this. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I think it's super interesting. I like all the characters. Yasha's my favorite. She's a barbarian. She's an Azamar, or an, I think maybe it's Azamar, but it's sort of like an angel or a celestial being, and she doesn't really know it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so she... She has these wings that sometimes pop out when she rages and they're sort of skeletal and 
and her journey has been sort of dealing with her past and learning to forgive herself and becoming a positive force. So her wings, I don't really think it's a spoiler to tell you that her wings eventually become feathered and healthy. Aww. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's fun to see the characters go through different, different things. They've all got weird or bad pasts and Matt kind of takes them through for a little bit. We'll explore like Ford's past and, and do stuff with that. And he's a sailor and he's got some weird stuff going on with like being able to vomit up a sword. (laughs) (laughs) So like they kind of hop from, from learning about one character to learning about another and all the characters are learning about each other and getting closer and they're becoming, I think, I mean, one of the, one of the things that, a lot of people love about D&D, I think, is that found family aspect. Mm-hmm. And these characters definitely fall into that trope. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're in like a frozen wasteland called Isilcross. <laughs> the episode, like last week, I think, was really, really tense because they were fighting a dragon and then they were fighting uh, a character who's sort of a spoiler. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but they're tracking down an ancient city, sort of. It has been in the oh the astral plane for like thousands of years and these people are trying to gather these threshold crests to call the city back to the the current plane so they're on a mission to to stop them and yeah i don't know i obviously i'm not gonna like go through all every single story arc (laughs) because that's gonna take forever yeah but yeah, I really enjoy it. It's something to look forward to. I get off my work week is Sunday to Thursday, so it's sort of like a little fun thing to look forward to at the end of the week. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Now, my question: mm-hmm. the versions they have on YouTube is it audio only, or do they have the whole video and everything? No, they have the whole video. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, they've got a whole setup. Before the pandemic, they were at an actual table. The setup they use is really cool. They've got a, a couple cameras. So Matt, the DM, will be on the left side of the screen. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the screen is split into two. So three or four of the players will be on the top. And three or four of the players will be on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then Matt's section, when they do combat, it'll split in half. And the bottom section will show the map. Oh, okay. And their little minis and stuff. Cool. Yeah, that's a really cool way to watch it because you get to see their reactions and facial expressions and and the map Mm -hmm. and everything. But I don't think you lose too much with just the audio if you're listening to the podcast. But Mm -hmm. yeah, if you watch on Twitch or on YouTube, you get the whole the whole visual setup. Cool. Mm -hmm. That's great. I yeah, I we've been doing some recording for the cast parallels the past few weeks and we will have more episodes of that out soon. But (laughs) I do sometimes like I love that it's audio only so that we can just kind of dig into, you know, the the theater of the mind and whatnot. But <laughs> yeah, our GM will share maps with us and stuff. And mm. I sometimes get sad that our listeners don't really have access to that unless he puts it on our social media. So yeah, being able to actually watch it. That's really cool. And the only the only actor that you mentioned that I actually know is Ashley Johnson. Okay. But yeah, I have seen her and stuff. She was on, she was on Growing Pains when she was super little, and yeah. she was also on um, 
black, either blacklist or the oh, um no the yeah, other yeah. One. wait blind spot blind spot yes yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of those one of those shows that's very yeah. similar to the other but yeah she's really good so yeah do you recommend it if somebody wants to like could I knowing how to play D and D and understanding the mm-hmm. the format could I just like start it where it is and sort of like 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 diving into a soap opera that's been on for 40 years and you haven't watched it could you just kind of figure it out as you go um i would say probably okay yeah you won't get all of the character backstory okay but i mean in your case you have me as a friend (laughs) (laughs) so if you have a question i can just be like yeah this is what happened (laughs) what is this thing they're talking about what (laughs) who is this thing they're talking about oh yeah exactly (laughs) there are definitely some spoilers that i did not tell you okay (laughs) so i'd have to probably answer a few questions for you okay but for the most part matt gives an update at the very beginning of each game to be like here's where we left off okay here's what's a little bit of what's happening Mm -hmm. so yeah i feel like you'd be able to slide into it fairly easily okay Maybe I'll give it a shot. Or maybe I'll start maybe. back at the beginning and just see if I like it. Do you feel like it's gotten better over time? I mean, I feel like I feel like they've gotten more comfortable with their characters. But I think I just... <laughs> I don't know, because I wasn't really thinking about, oh, is this good when I started it? I was just like, do I like this? <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me... It definitely took me probably maybe five or ten episodes to get into it to mm-hmm. really like really like the characters and and get invested in the characters mm-hmm. yeah so i i don't know if i can really speak to that i think they had been doing it for so long in campaign one beforehand so i uh-huh. feel like yeah i feel like it always was pretty good in terms of production especially but also the play i think they're they're very good players cool well sounds fun yeah. Sorry to talk about that for so long. No, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I have a ton of friends who are so into it and I just didn't really, I don't know, I resisted a bit. So maybe I'll give it a shot. I totally understand because I also resisted it because I was like 14 days of content. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if there's anyone listening who, who watches it as well, let me know like your favorite characters and stuff because that's awesome. And is it Thursday yet? <laughs> is there a little catchphrase. <laughs> Cute. But we've we've both been watching this much less commitment show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've been watching Mr. Mayor on NBC. So it stars Ted Danson as Neil Bremer and he becomes mayor of Los Angeles after the last mayor steps down. <laughs> and one thing I did like about it was that they they make it clear that it's in post-pandemic LA Mm -hmm. because that's one of the things that that stresses the first mayor out enough to make him quit yeah but he's sort of a rich out-of-touch dude and the people who work for him are Michaela Shaw who's played by Vela Lovell Tommy Tomas who's played by Mike Cabalon and then Jaden Quapis who's played by Bobby Moynihan who is my favorite character (laughs) (laughs) you're forgetting Arby Arby Meskimen Played by Holly Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going for the people who work for him in right. the first episode. For sure, yeah. Yeah, because they sort of don't really have any faith in him. And Michaela and Tommy did not think he would win. <laughs> so they're just like, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> 
And Jaden is kind of this, he's a little bit schlubby and he wears flip-flops with everything. (laughs) And he's the communication director or something. Mm -hmm. And they decide that they'll stick it out, but if anything goes wrong, they're going to blame it on him, which is really mean. Yeah. And then what happens is R.P. Meskimen, who's played by Holly Hunter, is a councilwoman, I think. Mm-hmm. And she obviously does not like Neil. So she she gives him pushback about his policies and stuff. And he decides to sort of keep his enemies closer by making her deputy mayor. And shenanigans ensue. <laughs> This is created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, who did 30 Rock and The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And it has a very similar comedic sensibility. In fact, um, Neil Bremer was originally supposed to be played by Alec Baldwin. And in fact, it was supposed to be his 30 Rock character. Oh. And he ended up passing on it. And I, even though I like Alec Baldwin and I like the character he played on 30 Rock, Ted Danson is a much more affable mm-hmm. person here. And even though Neil is surface level unlikable, I think Ted Danson has a hard time playing unlikable, so he ends up being kind of like, yes, he's rich and out of touch, but he's also like, he really is, he means well, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I think they play with a lot of things of him being really old also, which is sort of yeah. funny. <laughs> like they, they're able to con him into thinking that he forgot something when they never told him about it. And he just kind of goes <laughs> with it like, oh, right, yes, of course. And it's like, no, that never happened. <laughs> Yeah, so what what were your first impressions of it? Well, Bella Lovell was on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and she is a treasure. I really enjoy her. She's <laughs> really, really funny. And she's funnier when she's also being a little bit more vulnerable. Her There's an episode where she's hanging out with Neil's daughter, Orly, and it makes Michaela a lot more relatable because she's okay. trying too hard to be Orly's friend and stuff, and that's just kind of funny. <laughs> And as you mentioned, Jaden is hilarious. Like his name is even a joke. It's like he's this middle-aged man named Jaden. And it's like, (laughs) what? That doesn't make any sense. And he's just really, really funny. And he's able to just be utterly ridiculous. I feel like Mm -hmm. his analog in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is probably the older landlady character. Or or on 30 Rock, it would have been Kenneth, a very weird page or something he's just so out there like he just says stuff that makes no sense (laughs) but i feel like arpy is so weird and just like this and holly hunter has like she's almost unrecognizable in this role (laughs) like i don't know i'm i'm usually used to seeing her playing like a really capable cop or something and she's all Mm -hmm. glamorous or whatever and here she looks like like this dowdy hippie and she speaks weirdly and it's just very strange and uncomfortable and i don't know if i like her or really hate her i'm not sure (laughs) even her name is also weird like rp is a weird name i don't know yeah you and rachel were talking a little bit about this before i started watching Mm -hmm. and about how how strange and also i think rp is rachel's favorite character maybe yeah so i was really looking forward to finding out what she was like and she is very interesting (laughs) i think i right now i really like her yeah, because I don't, I'm not super on Neil's side yet, mm. but I've only watched two episodes so far, and it sounds like you've gotten a little farther than yeah. I have. There's only four. There's only four so far, so you're not really that behind. Okay. But I like that it, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, I like that it's post-pandemic. It's like they're able to process that it happened. They show little flashbacks to it. 
but they don't linger on it. And it's, so this takes place in hopefully the near future. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's a way to acknowledge it without making it a plot point. And yeah. I wish maybe a few other shows were doing that because even the shows that I was applauding for portraying it responsibly, I'm kind of also over it at this point. Like, oh man, let's mm-hmm. just please move on. I'm so tired of it. And I would like <laughs> an escape from it in my entertainment. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I think if you're not quite on Neil's side yet, give it another couple episodes and mm-hmm. you may get there. But yeah, it's just it's just lighthearted fun. It's very, I think it, I'm not involved in local politics anywhere, but I, with what little I follow of it, I feel like it's a fairly weirdly realistic take on it, <laughs> even though it's very, you know, broad comedy. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, sometimes the jokes are a little cringy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a phenomenon of a lot of sitcoms when they first get started. Like, they're sort of still figuring out their sense of humor. Yeah. I think when they lean into Jaden being super weird, they <laughs> usually hit it out of the park, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's great. Yes. Yeah. Bobby Moynihan was on Saturday Night Live for years and years and years. In fact, he was he was on from 2008 to 2017. So he had quite a tenure on there. And I think that okay. really sharpened his comedic chops. So he's fabulous. Yeah. There's a scene, I think it's the first episode, where the mayor tells him to sit down. And he does. But then the mayor walks behind him. So he like, he like turns around in the chair and like rests his forearm on the back of the chair and his chin on his hand and he's trying to follow him but then he just like ends up turning the chair around and for some reason (laughs) i don't know that just like cracked me up (laughs) he's like desperately following the mayor but trying to also stay seated in the chair (laughs) i don't know i just really like that well there's there's a plot line that i don't think you've seen yet and it's not super spoilery to say that tommy is trying to get a new work id made and yet, this is a plot line that I swear to you was in an episode of Less Than Perfect. So like, whatever, 20 years ago. <laughs> and yet, they are, they make it fresh and funny. And Tommy is a bit of a straight man. Like, he's not super outrageously funny. But he's got this deadpan vocal tone. And he's just very matter of fact. And he just kind of wants what he wants when he wants it. And he and Michaela have this little caper subplot where they try to get him a new photo ID without the photo ID lady finding out. And it's just, (laughs) it's so like, I guess I'm also really into workplace comedies during the pandemic because nobody really, I mean, you, you get to go to work, but not everybody does. And so it's kind of (laughs) like, oh, people hanging out and doing stuff and being in a building (laughs) together without fear of. How novel. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a very cute, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, it's a standard plot, but yeah. the way they do it, it ends up really charming and funny. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me a little bit of, well, for obvious reasons, Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I hope, I mean, you love Parks and Rec. Yes. And I also ended up getting really attached to those characters. So I hope that happens in this too. But I'll keep watching and yeah. sort of see where it goes. Yeah. I like that it doesn't feel... Like, I, I hope they don't try to get Neil and Arpy together or anything. I'm sensing yeah. just more of a mentoring relationship, and I think that's better. The only thing I would say, yeah, some of the jokes are not quite as funny as I would like them to be, but they're still affable enough that I'm like, oh, haha, yeah, that's, I understand on a cerebral level why that's funny. <laughs> it's that kind of joke. <laughs> or uh, That's like 
how a robot would respond to <laughs> well, a joke. No, it's well, actually, you know what? I heard this interview years ago with Lauren Michaels, who created Saturday Night Live, and he remarked that he's seen so much comedy that he like almost can't laugh at stuff anymore, but he will oh. note to himself, yes, I understand and acknowledge that is funny. But that wow. when he's auditioning people, they get very freaked out because he'll just be sort of stone-faced while he's watching them. <laughs> and I think that just as a person who grew up watching just a sheer high amount of sitcoms and stand-up comedy and whatnot, that sometimes I can recognize something that's funny even if I don't actually react in an outward gotcha. way. I okay. often laugh at things, trust me, I do. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I'm not a robot. But one one other criticism I would say is that I feel like the cast is too small. Mm. Although that might be the fact that they're filming during the pandemic and have to keep a small yeah. bubble. So I'm hoping that like Parks and Rec or The Office, that maybe they get a few more recurring backgrounders. Even 30 Rock mm -hmm. would have like, there were other people who were maybe not regulars, but they were recurring background people like Jonathan, who was like a secretary and stuff. I mean, you know, just some extra people. And yeah. I think that would help make it feel a bit more of a developed world. So yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, next week, we'll be talking about the HBO series, Barry, the new Hulu miniseries, The Sister, and the Edith Wharton novel, The Buccaneers. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And you can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>